Right. Uh, let me just make sure I've got the right date on these questions. Yeah, I have, Anna. Right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Am I asking the first one? Why not? How often should we message clients to make a good service and what sort of things should we say? I want my to make my service a bit more active so I can do in between sessions and check-ins. Let me just repeat that question because it didn't make sense to me. How often should we message clients to make a good service and what sort of things can we say? That's the first question, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, hmm. Which sort of things can we say? Look, I think, um, okay, so apart from the obvious check-in feedback, maybe potentially feedback from the sessions that you have done, uh, whether that's with you or away from you, giving them positive reinforcement. Um, I don't think too much more off, off the back of that. I mean, I, I think I understand the question. Oh, here we are. Basically. In between sessions and in between check-ins, how active should we be contacting clients? Uh, it depends on the person. It depends on the person, which is a shit answer on OK. <laughs> but, um, look, I think, I think you've got to... I think you'll learn, like, do people need a little bit more support in that week if they've had a crap week or not as great uh, training session or they need more clarity on a certain subject or topic. Um, so I think, look, I don't think you should be overdoing it per se because let's say, okay, let's say, for example, Cody starts to work with me and I message him every single day for the first couple of weeks, but then I start to get really busy. I'm not going to be able to keep that consistency up. And when I don't keep that consistency up um, from a client's perspective, that can come across as, oh, he's getting busy. He doesn't care as much anymore. So I think you just got to give yourself a level playing field, um, give a good service, depending on the client. Obviously communication will go up and down at different stages, um, but just, I made the best advice I can give you with that. Keep a structure in place, first of all, um, and be really, like everything we say, just listen to your clients all the time, like consistently like checking in regards to what they're saying in the sessions, in the checking forms, um, in the reviews, how they're getting on in the sessions. And then, you know, reach out um, as and when you feel is needed, whether that's positive reinforcement or whether that is, you know, being uh, picking them back up if they've had a bad week. Um, I want to make sure, make sure they're a bit more active. So we can yeah, do it's the same. Things. Yeah. So ho hopefully that helps, mate. That doesn't give you a direct four times a week or whatever. Um, morning, Nicole. Morning, Michelle. Um, I've still not plucked up enough up the courage up my prices for the monthly one-to-one -one coaching online one-to-one -one coaching always felt like an apprentice on an apprentice wage with this i want to go for it and rate um my monthly fee i want to use the price increase for current client retention uh do you think so i'm just getting done do you think 
keeping current clients on their current price is a good idea and let them know what let them know that only new clients will be on the higher rate um right there is legs in giving a having like a founding members founding clients price right there is legs in that although i think uh, obviously I, I clearly don't know what the price is at this moment in time but I think if you haven't put the price up and your services is, is improved and results have improved and you've been reinvesting in your business a considerable amount since taking them clients on, that gives you every right to be able to put your price up to existing clients. So my advice would be that if you are aware, like the stuff that you put there makes me think that the, the price for founding clients and these clients that you've got in your business does need to go up from the sound of it. So what you could potentially do is put them up to an extent. So let's say, for example, and I'm going to pull these numbers out of the sky without looking into the detail, but let's say you're charging 150 a month for, for online coaching from a one-to-one -one perspective. You might then put that up to, let's say, 180 or 200 for them. And then any new clients coming into the business, it's 220, 250 or whatever it is. And you let your clients know that you're going to put your price up, but it's not going to be nowhere near as much as the, the new clients coming into the business. So I think these legs in, if you've not done it from the start, um, I think these legs in putting their price up a bit of an incremental price and then letting them see that actually it's going up, but not as much as people coming into the business. Because if you've run a decent enough service, got good enough results, you've constantly improved your product delivery and how you communicate and how you coach plus reinvested in your business, you should be putting your price up for them clients, in my opinion. Next question. Best way to create scarcity for online coaching other than Instagram stories? Hmm. Other than Instagram stories. I think that's more so like, you know, the urgency to create urgency and engagement and interaction and driving people to, to, the, to the call to action. I think the first thing is to have real clear intent and commit to the dates that you're opening up for, whether you're taking on new online clients at the beginning of each month, whether you're starting a program. I think, first of all, defining that and, and creating that commitment to the day I think that is the very first thing I know that sounds obvious but people don't and it falls by the wayside then um, I think then work backwards from that date in regards to how you're basically then blocking out the different weeks we leading up to that date so you're you're constantly aware of what that content is driving people to you constantly kind of look at you know whether it's um creating a trigger within the first week to for engagement with people the second week to create some value the third week to create literally that scarcity based on those other two things to drive people towards it um so yeah i think that's the first thing i would say is do that um i think you know use use stories in conjunction with with post um post being more value you could you could also um, you could also have something in there where I'm just trying to think about an example. 
I think also showing whether you have like, um, you know, the common things are early bird offers or early bird founding members or, or whatever you're doing. I think that's quite a, quite a good thing to see. And then I think one of the big things off the back of that is also having lots of proof of concept in there. So when as people are signing up, you show people they're actually signing up to the program as well. So I think that becomes, um, I think that all aids to it or adds to it, sorry. Um, so yeah, anything else I've missed? The only thing that I would, I would say is that if you want to drive scarcity and a level of urgency towards to get some, someone to buy something, then obviously your the vehicle for that is social media. So obviously the stories that you've mentioned, the posts that you've mentioned, the copy that you do, the 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 pain points, the trigger words, all of that type of stuff that you already know is the vehicle towards getting them. And I think what's important then is to back that up, in my opinion, with something like a landing page where this copy, this proof of concept, there's a place where they can go that also drives maybe there's a countdown on there to when you open it drives a bit of urgency and intent as well um because when it just when when the information is just on social media it's easy for people to just kind of uh, scroll through and uh, and see it and go yeah i want to do that but they're left with something missing whereas the the support with that is the potential of the landing page and the copy and the proof of concept and the urgency with the countdown and the call to actions. And it just helps people to, to get them to the next step. So that was the only thing that I would add. Um, do you know of any companies that would check verify our social media posts before scheduling to ensure that I don't say nothing I shouldn't in them? I don't know of any. Um, there probably is people out there that do that or companies out there that do that, but I honestly don't know of any. The only thing I would say is that maybe get, I don't know what it is that you're worried about saying that you potentially don't want people to see or whatever. Um, I think the thing is, there's a couple of points to this is, first of all, you have to be relentlessly you right? Regardless of what that is, like you have to be unapologetically you all of the time, because at the end of the day, that's when you're your authentic self. And then when you're putting that across, if you say something that might, I don't know, offend someone, um, they might not like it, it, they don't agree with it and all of that, they're not going to buy from you and they will probably unfollow you. And that's, you've got to be okay with that, in my opinion, anyway. Now, if it's a case of you don't want to offend anyone and stuff like that, all I would say is get your, whoever it is that's the actual perfect demographic who's within your business already that you would like to market to and have them. So maybe it's that you discount your service, you add, give them extra value add to read through some posts and say, does this relate to you? Is there anything in this that potentially you're offended with or anything like that? Um, and maybe it's someone within your client base that you can get to do that. I, I'm also sure that there's going to be companies out there, but I'd rather the actual specific demographic tell me that that's what they want to see and not this company who don't really align with my demographic. So that's my advice that I would give. Nick, anything else? Um, no. Thanks very much. Um, 
I've been thinking about taking some time off and going traveling from January 2023. I want to start online coaching so I can work on the go. What is the first step to transitioning online? I'm finding it hard because I find so much value in my one-to-one because I work with complete beginners. That when I remove this, I start doubting my service. It's a good question, this. Is it a good idea to target slightly more advanced people online and complete beginners in the gym? Um, Okay. I think the first thing is you've got to recognize that no matter and it's it's like with, with everything if you move from like one-to-one into small group or to larger group you always try and because you've got so much value and experience and time delivering that type of service you always there's always that kind of comparison between what you do with people on a one-to-one basis face-to-face so that's a very natural thing um to do does it mean you have to kind of target a more experienced trainer? No, not specifically at all, because, um, you know, you would just adjust the, like, let's say you've taken your program that you do with someone on a one-to-one basis. Let's just start to think about the fundamentals of that program, what's going to deliver results. And nine times out of 10, it's going to be providing something which is safe, doable, E, like convenient, um, enjoyable, um, that meets their competence and confidence levels. So that always going to be a regressed version from an exercise selection standpoint, maybe from a time standpoint, than you would do with someone on a one-to-one basis, um, definitely. Um, but you'd spend more time probably in that programming because you are designing for people to do by themselves. And the way you present that and the way that you add additional um, uh, educational resources and additional support structure for those clients. You you just meet the client where they're at um, effectively. So I don't think you do have to change the demographic per se. You have to change your perspective on programming and the way you deliver your service. You can still have, you know, the last two or three years, if anything's taught us anything, it's, it's, it's that you can you can definitely provide a great service online to all abilities. So, the way that you would probably get started, in my opinion, mate, is probably like you've got time to test the waters a little bit. So that next beginner that comes in um, to your business, or that you you maybe do a little mini campaign to to bring beginners into your business on an online program, and you've got time, so test it out. You know, gain some experience in that in that area. Um, and I think that the easy kind of then transition is taking your current clients online for when you, when and if you do travel, which I think you should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lost track. There we go. Um, how would you recommend approaching cost with clients coming to the end of their initial term where continued cost has been given as the reason not to carry on? Um, I would go through goal setting again. So if you haven't done a monthly review with a client, I would go through goal setting again to help them become self-aware on potentially there's still goals to meet because I'm sure there is. So let them realize that there is still goals to meet. And then off the back of that, you can then discuss what it is that they go into to meet them goals in terms of product or service. This is where these legs in at the start, every time you take a client on, as soon as you've gathered the information about them, in my opinion, what your job is as a coach is to build a bit of a roadmap out. 
So they've got a complete understanding of where they're going to go through this roadmap. And if that's maybe three months, one-to-one coaching at two sessions per week and all of the different bells and whistles of the service, then they drop down to hybrid. Then they go into online. So they've got that client journey and the milestones that they achieve in that time is how they view and see success. So that might be close size. It might be visits to the gym. It might be confidence to take the kids swimming when they've avoided it before. And that's a milestone and all of that type of stuff. That's really important to have that roadmap out, but discuss it from day one so they know what's coming. And then align that with the monthly reviews. You could keep going back for your goals. But in this example and situation that you're in right now, go back through goals and then start to align what it is that they want and need with a product and service that's going to be relevant to meeting their goals. That might be at this point, if they can't afford one-to-one coaching for that to carry on, that maybe you build out a bit of a hybrid or online coaching product for this type of client, um, which will obviously be slightly cheaper. So that's what I would do. Um, Right, next question. I'm thinking of running a free trial week and would like to run it past you first. I am considering allowing current members to bring a friend along to my sessions for a week for free. And if they like it, they can sign up to my 28-day trial at the end. If this goes well, I would also like to run a free trial week for the general public at the end of the month. I know this is technically giving something out for free, but I'm planning on collecting everyone's details and putting them into a seven-day autoresponder. And if I over-deliver my sessions, I feel like I've got a good chance of getting people signed up afterwards. Any advice would be appreciated. I'm just going to read in through that again. I think that's a great, great shout on both ends for your current members. Um, I think that's a great shout. Um, running seven-day trial. Again, a great shout, mate. Um, sort of responders. I have doing my sessions. Good chance of getting people signed up afterwards. Any advice? Mate, I think, yeah, both of those ideas are bang on. I think... Um, so you've got two different things that you need to plan and look at. You've got a, an outreach, i.e. outreach of that marketing plan to the general public. And you've got an in-reach, like making sure that's marketed to your internal members as well. Um, so you've got two different plans that you can run alongside each other if you choose to. Um, I think also uh, with the seven-day trial, are you going to do that? Things to consider probably is the timing of that. Are you going to have... Um, for example, a whole let's say June, where anybody can turn anyone can sign up for seven days during June, for example, or you're going to have the first week of June or the end of May being that trial week to then potentially sign people up in the beginning of June. So I think I think both suggestions are great. I think definitely run with them both. Um, I think. maybe look at an incentive for your client uh, for your current clients um so as an example if ants um a client of yours in the group he brings um me along as his friend and i sign up sign up to the 28 day trial at the end if i sign up to the 28 day trial does Ant get anything as a bit of a thank you a bit as an incentive 
Can I have a snazzy one of them T-shirts you've got, please? Yeah. I like them. Give them a T-shirt or 50% off month, the next month or something like that. That makes financial sense to you. So that's the only thing I'd add in there. But I think, mate, I think bang on ideas. Those are the two things I'll consider. Anything else? No, I think that's good. Please discuss progression in programming for intermediate and advanced lifters, particularly in terms of different rep schemes beyond the usual three sets of 10. Um, I think, first of all, if you're, it depends on the category of intermediate and advanced lifters, because it's all obviously subjective, but um, you test them. So I know we're talking about progressions now, but we're not going to know what we're progressing from a from an advanced and intermediate lifter perspective if we're not testing them initially. So I would test them. So you'd start to have a look at some free RM testing and stuff like that. So you've got something to go off. And then from a progression perspective, then it makes it easier for you to then program some progression. So that would be based on percentages of lifts. Um, very similar to probably how you train yourself. So percentages of lifts, the main lifts, um, you would potentially want to maybe push some boundaries in a sense of like cluster sets to push through certain elements of progressive overload. Um, that works quite well for for some people. Um, what else? That you could factor in. Listen, obviously the three sets of 10 is just a standard, bog standard place to be like, that could be that each week that they're adding load, it could be each week that they're adding, they're adding different types of intensity. You're, you're including and incorporating like cluster sets and stuff like that to help them out. And um, there's certain other bit elements that you could potentially do. So like, let's say for example, where they spend eight to 12 minutes working up to a heavy three to four within that rep range of whatever it is, whether it's a deadlift, whether it's an overhead press, whether it's a back squat, front squat or whatever. Um, there is tons that you could do, like absolutely tons that you could do. But the result of their progress would have to be measured off how they have been tested um, at the very, very start. Um, but once they've been tested, that then you can you can obviously program them over whether it's four, six, eight week blocks where you're incrementally taking up their progression every single week. Um, anything you'd add to that, Nick? Mm. no not really i think uh, just like just like you said then i think a lot of it's going to come down to um what their you know what their aspirations are uh, testing is going to be a big thing i think feedback is a massive thing as well when you're working with more experienced lifters how you give feedback when you give feedback um those are the things that I think make the big difference. Um, yeah. What's, in, what's important is in this is, is that, the, that the principles don't change, whether they're a beginner based lifter or an, an intermediate or advanced, depending on how you would kind of use that in, in, in context, like depending on what that looks like to you and stuff that the principles do not change. Like, you would want an element of testing at the start for a beginner-based um, program to understand where they're at from a strength perspective, intensity perspective, even from a 
a capacity perspective, a mindset perspective at times. You want that level of testing at the start. And then what you do with the program is the same as what you would do with a beginner. Like you want incremental percentages each week to go up. You might let them work through five, let's say on a, on a main kind of lift. You want might want let them work through five main sets every single week but it might be that you're just adding a rep it might be that you're just adding a certain percentage to that lift it might be that you're reducing rest time whatever it is the principles stay exactly the same if you want to spice that up with things like cluster sets that's a little bit different and gets them to push the boundaries slightly giving breaks in between lifts if you want them to do some forced reps if you want them to do um some drops it it, it depend it completely depends on what the principles of the programs are, that are set from the start if you want it to go from three to sets it at week one to four then five then six and then they're working through an eight to ten minute range to get to a heavy top set like honestly it doesn't matter it very much depends on that person's aspirations what it is that they want and need um and then how how you i suppose how you best program but i would not like anything that we talk about when it comes to programming I would not overcomplicate it too much um, because the principles remain the same whether they're advanced or beginner. It's just you can push the boundaries more if they've got a higher training age and so on in some ways, in some ways. But that can bring about bad habits, poor form, poor technique, injuries, overtraining if they're advanced and so on. So it very much depends on the person every time, but hopefully that's give you a bit more food for thought of what to do and not to overcomplicate things. Is there anything else? That's it. Oh, it's a short and sweet one, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Right. Any final thoughts, Nick? Is there anything in the group? Nope. Uh, are they all happy? Are they all happy with their responses? I think so. Wicked. All right. Happy days. Any final thoughts from you, Nick? No? Just coffee? Just coffee and breakfast. All right, then. You have a good day, Nicholas. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. -bye. Bye.